Logan, everyone, welcome to the Red and White Authority. I'm Art Regner. This is episode 73, and our guest is Ben Simon, the newly appointed head coach of the Grand Rapids Griffins. Actually, Ben, though no stranger to Grand Rapids, has been uh, was Todd Nelson's assistant the past three seasons. And uh, let's uh, let's uh, bring Ben into the program. Hey, Ben, thanks for doing this. Really appreciate it. Hey, Art, thanks for having me on. I appreciate the the, the opportunity to chat with you. Well, I'll tell you, I mean, you're an American, I'm an American, so happy 4th of July. We are doing this on the 4th, so... It is the 4th, and I appreciate you working around my crazy schedule, and I appreciate you taking the time on a holiday to, uh, to talk a little bit of hockey here. Well, you know, it, 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 it's always great. First of all, congratulations. It's a little bit belated on, on being named the, uh, uh, the coach of the Grand Rapids Griffins. Uh, uh, I, I know that you were... Yeah, I'm not. You're probably not going to want to admit this, but I know that you were in hot demand. There were a couple of other AHL clubs that uh, were uh, uh, looking at you to be their head man. Uh, I know you're familiar with the Griffins, as I said. You've been there for the the past three seasons as an assistant. Why stick in Grand Rapids? Well, my goal was to be an American League head coach, and whether that was short term, long term, that was something that obviously when I I take a step back and look at a progression of a coach. There's no right or wrong roadmap for a coach. There are plenty of guys that have gone to, to be an assistant at a lower level to a, a head coach at a higher level to, you know, varying degrees of, uh, you know, of a roadmap. But from my perspective, it was uh, I spent a majority of my career in the American League. And for me, it was, you know, I spent a little bit of time as an assistant in the American League, uh, went down to the East Coast League, as a head coach, I got one year of head coaching experience under my belt. I came back to the American League and been an assistant for quite a while uh, with, with Toronto, with Rockford, and, and then again with Grand Rapids. So when uh, you know, a couple teams last year kind of were interested in me and as a head coach, and it wasn't, it was some some level of interest, but you never really think that, okay, I'm, I'm prepared, I'm ready. And I knew that at the time. I was still grinding grinding away, cutting my teeth a little bit and learning the league still. And, you know, I had the great fortune of working under a lot of different good coaches and a lot of different varying models of uh, development and philosophy with regard to the minor league teams. So then uh, this year there was a little bit more, I guess I'd say there was a little bit more genuine interest in head coaching opportunities at the American League level. So there were a couple of teams that showed interest early and, uh, I don't know if that had an influence on, on Detroit moving forward with regard to Grand Rapids, but uh, there was genuine interest. I felt very uh, confident that I was a little bit further down the road with some of these teams, and then obviously Nelly uh, took the job in Dallas, and that kind of expedited the process with uh, with Grand Rapids. So um, why Grand Rapids? Uh, you know, it's a very good question, but you know what, my, I, I love... The, the organization. I love the people involved with the organization. And uh, at, at the end of the day, I've got two children that, uh, you know, are, are moving from middle school or moving from elementary school to middle school and then another one moving from middle school to high school. So that's a big, uh, a big kind of spot in their life. So I was a little bit aware of that. And then you factor in the familiarity with, with these players. I put some time in and with these players, I've invested you know, a lot of hours in trying to develop these players. So once Grand Rapids, you know, became a legitimate opportunity, it was you know let's focus on this. This is an unbelievable place to be, place to coach, place to live, and 
this is where we wanted to be at the end of the day. So once Grand Rapids, you know, once Nelly left and this opportunity became a little bit more of a, you know, a true opportunity, then it was, uh, it, it was a no-brainer for me. Well, so, yeah, and, and I would imagine the opportunity, uh, there's several Griffin coaches who have uh, gone on to the NHL and have done very, very well. I, you know, think of what Bruce Cassidy in Boston, obviously Jeff Blaschel in Detroit. So, uh, you know, Todd was a former coach in the NHL with Edmonton, and you know, I, I think if the cards work out right for him, he's eventually going to be a, a bench boss in the NHL again. So, uh, I would imagine, as far as a great uh, proving ground. Um, Grand Rapids is is one of the plum jobs in the AHL, I would imagine. Yeah, well, absolutely. And you know, Detroit has done a phenomenal job of not only developing players, but they've done a great job of developing uh, managers, coaches, a lot of different facets of uh, the organization, not just players. So that absolutely, uh, you know, played a part into into our decision uh, with Grand Rapids, and again to be able to stay in the same spot and have that continuity with the with the city, with the organization, with the players played a huge factor in, in our decision. Yep, I don't know. Maybe this is standard across the NHL, but the one thing that has struck me about about the way the Red Wings treat Grand Rapids and even Toledo is is that they have a system that they would like to see each team play, meaning as these fellas progress up the chain and eventually make it to Detroit. They kind of know what Red Wing hockey is all about, yet it does seem that they give you a leeway too to kind of find yourself as a coach. I mean, they don't dictate exactly what your style of play is, but they give you a basic philosophy. Is Am I correct in that? And I would imagine that that has to be good for both sides. No, I, I, yeah, you're, you're spot on with that. They've, they've done a tremendous job at the American League level of allowing the coaches and giving the coaches the latitude to kind of explore a little bit with the players and the latitude of playing, you know, implementing your own systems to a certain extent. Now, the, the, there are certain principles and core philosophies of, of playing the game that will remain intact from the big club to the, to the baby club. And, and that's just competing on a daily basis. That's being... You know, committed to, to getting better on a daily basis and just the core philosophies of how we want these young men to develop into NHL players. And I, I'm kind of curious to, to, to because I look at the AHL and the, and the East Coast League as, as still being a development and a learning, a teaching thing, much like college to a certain degree, I would imagine. Uh, a little more advanced, certainly. Uh, but... Uh, and I know that you haven't coached at the NHL level yet, but is is coaching essentially coming back to putting your players in the best position to win, but also always remembering, regardless if they're 18 or they're 35, there's still things that they need to learn and that you're actually a, still a teacher at heart? Well, at the end of the day, a coach's job is, you're right, artist, is to put the player in the best position to have success. Now, that being said, there are going to be situations where the game is on the line, and you know, for a developmental purpose, you got to think: is it win or lose at all costs, or is it give that young player the experience and the opportunity to have that experience to to fail, learn by failing, to to learn by winning, to learn by the process, so to speak. But you know, there are certain situations where. You, know, you don't want to put a player in a bad. You want to put the player 
you want these young kids to play, but you also don't want to put them in a situation where they're playing and they're continuing to fail and their confidence continues to go down. You want to put them in the best situation so that they're learning, and at the same time they're learning from their mistakes that they, they'll, they'll undoubtedly make. And these, you know, some of these young kids take a little bit longer to learn than others, and other players learn a little bit quicker than others. So, you know, it's important to, to put those players in those situations so they do learn. But again, it's a it's a delicate balance of putting them in the right situations at the right time and knowing each and every individual player and their personnel and kind of what makes them tick. You know, there's some players that, you know, if they fail once, their their uh, confidence is just shot. There are other players that if they fail once, they'll jump right back on the horse and they're ready to go and they, they learn from it. But, you know, every player is different. Every player kind of takes a different path, no different than coaches. And you have to kind of be cognizant of that and uh, recognize their, their deficiencies, their, uh, their strengths, and kind of, play to their strengths and at the same time be wary of their deficiencies and kind of put them in a situation to address their deficiencies without hurting the team as a whole. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm fascinated, obviously, you can tell with this topic. And I, I want to move on because I know you ran development camp and we want to get into some of the prospects and then some of the moves that the Griffins have made. Uh, but... Uh, yeah, we always hear the assistants, and I can go back to some of the Red Wing teams that, that I covered where one assistant was good cop, one assistant was bad cop. Uh, is, is, is that tr- does, does that play out regardless of the level? I mean, or, or is it, again, and you, I think you stated it eloquently here, it, it depends on the player. I mean, sometimes you were good cop to a player, and other players you knew you had to be bad cop, or is it, is it a clear division, one guy's good cop, one guy's bad cop? Well, I don't think there's any clear line in the sand with regard to good cop, bad cop, so to speak. I think at the end of the day, we're all kind of part of the same administration. So, you know, we're all uh, we're all accountable to some degree. And, you know, again, you go back to the, the player's demeanor, the player's response factor. And, you know, if you, whether you're a good cop or bad cop, if you go to a certain player and you really, you know, quote-unquote reprimand the guy and you're down his throat a little bit and that player doesn't react well to that, it's not going to be beneficial to the player. So I think it's important to know how the players react and the best reaction you're going to get from them. And that's how you kind of kind of approach that player. So sometimes players need a little bit of kick in the rear to get them going. And, but that same kind of philosophy, philosophy mentality towards, towards that player may not be applicable to a different player who needs a little bit more of a, I guess, uh, positive reinforcement, a little bit more of a, a hug, so to speak. And, it's just uh, you got to learn to know these players, where they come from, and if you, if you kind of learn where they're coming from and where they want to go, then it's easier to kind of get underneath their skin and learn how they tick so that you can get them to, to develop a little bit quicker. When, uh, how long does it take you? Do you have to be a quick study as a coach, or does it take you sometimes maybe to really not get inside a player's head, but to get to know them a little bit? Well, I, I think it's important to... I mean, that's why this, these development camps are so important to, to get to know these guys. And you learn a little bit about their backgrounds, where they've come from, where they played, and uh, you kind of learn a little bit how they tick. But uh, it's it's essential that you, you learn these kids so that you can expedite the development process. And, and especially at the salary cap era here with, you know, you have to kind of get these guys learning, developing a little bit quicker without the, you know, without sacrificing the, the accountability, without sacrificing the, the learning, so to speak. 
when you uh, look at, you, you got the job in early June. I mean, I think you were the front runner when Todd left to, to be an assistant in Dallas, Todd, Todd being Todd Nelson. Uh, yet I know, even though you've been part of the organization for the last three years, that the Grand Rapids coach always runs the development camp. So I would imagine it's no sooner are you named uh, Griffin's head coach, are you on the phone with Sean Horkoff and trying to get this thing together? I mean, I, I, I would imagine you had to hit the ground running because development camp and the draft and all that was at the end of the month, and you were just the head guy for you know three weeks before everything began. Yeah, well, one thing that uh, Detroit has done, and you know, Ryan Martin, Kenny Holland, and then Sean Horkoff and Danny Cleary, they are very hands-on without being, uh, without kind of strangling, so to speak. So Hork did a great job of kind of behind the scenes, knowing that development camp was coming, and I've been working, you know, kind of behind the scenes with him. And development camp was, you know, that's a chance for those guys because they do a lot of the legwork during the summer or during the regular season, traveling and seeing these kids, these draft picks, the potential draft picks that then we drafted last June where now that they've got these kids, they know a lot more about these kids than I do. So it was, it was kind of a, a tag team effort where you know, these guys know these players and this is kind of, the development camp is a, a real good learning tool and it allows us to kind of convey the message to the kids. Here's the Detroit Red Wings way. Here's how we operate. Here's what we expect from, from a player if you're going to make the Detroit Red Wings. Here's the process if you're going to be in Grand Rapids. You know, the Toledo coaches were involved with Dan Watson and Andy Delmore. So you know, it was a little bit different because we didn't have any assistance in place at the time. But you know, at the end of the day, we I think we did a great job of, of getting these kids in and teaching them you know, nutrition, weightlifting, social media stuff, uh, off-ice stuff, on-ice stuff, the core principles, kind of how we want to play, you know, without giving them too much. It's a lot of information for these kids to digest in the matter of four or five days, but, uh, you know, it's, it's a whirlwind, but I think I think that Hork and uh, Danny Cleary did a really good job of, of kind of balancing the experience with the teaching and all the information that we wanted to get to these kids. When you, uh, uh, when, when you, I know you just named a, a couple of assistants this week, and I, uh, did you have any time to concentrate on Grand Rapids, or once you received the Grand Rapids job, even though you had been at development camp before, were you really focused in on that and making sure that, that you were prepared that way? Uh, because obviously, as you said, some of these players that were at development camp are going to end up playing for you. Yeah, well, absolutely. And the the job here in Grand Rapids, and I was no fool coming into it, is that there's a lot of responsibilities, a lot of different hats, there's a lot of multitasking that goes into it. So, you know, between accepting the job, the position, and knowing full well that, okay, I had to hire a couple assistants, development camps going on, we've got players that we're signing coming up free agency-wise, uh, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on, but, you know, if, if you can manage your, your time well, if you can kind of balance your schedule well enough, that you know, you can figure it all out and kind of manage everything, but uh, there is a lot that goes into it, but with, with development camp, we do, uh, you know, we experience some of the kids that we will expect to see in some way, shape, or form at some point in the next year you know, to get to know those guys, and then obviously the guys that have played there that are still in the contract and the free agent guys that are coming in, you know, doing our homework with that, with rather building the team uh, with, with Ryan and Kenny and making sure we've got the right 
blend of players without sacrificing the opportunity for the young guys. So it, it has been a lot of work in the last few weeks, and obviously with free agency opening up on the first here, it's been uh, two or three days. We had a lot of movement here and did a really good job of getting some core, uh, core guys in place with what we expect in Grand Rapids and, uh, and getting to know these young guys a little bit quicker here uh, through development camp. What were, uh, I was there every single day. Uh, I actually doing a live stream along with Darren Elliott, and then uh, Bob Kayser did the uh, the red and white scrimmage game with Darren and I providing, uh, I guess, uh, Darren's expertise and me. God only knows what the heck I was doing there, but uh, <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but anyway, Ben, what was your impression of development camp? Uh, being the head guy, running it, and maybe some early impressions of some of the players. Uh, well, you know, I thought it would. For me, in a different capacity, you know, I've been a part of development programs and, and camps for the last three years in Grand Rapids, and again with with other organizations in the past as an assistant coach, and I thought it went very smooth. I, I thought that Holt did a really good job of, of structuring it with regard to, you know, the player's schedule and not having the guys be too exhausted and making sure that they were still in a position to really absorb and take in everything, and it's 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 really... It's overwhelming for a player coming in. You walk into that building. I mean, Little Caesars Arena is a beautiful facility. And you walk in, you see the history of the building, or not the building, but you see the history of the organization, the people that have come through the organization. And then the effect, okay, I mean, you know, as a player, I, I sit in their shoes. It's, to be a part of this is phenomenal. But I thought it went very well with regard to the, the structure, the timing, and the the amount of time with regard to on-ice, off-ice, all the learning uh, tools that we wanted to kind of teach them and, and realize, you know, have these kids realize that this is kind of what they need to do to, to become a successful Red Wing at the end of the day was uh, I, I thought we conveyed the message very well and I thought it went over very, you know, it's, it's like I said, it's a whirlwind. There's a lot of stuff going on, but at the end of the day, I thought we did a very good job of, uh, of getting what we wanted to convey to these kids across. You know, over the years, I think I've been to development camp that was out at Detroit Sports Center. I've been to it. I, I think it was at Joe Lewis Arena a couple times, and obviously the last few seasons it's been up in Traverse City. Uh, but mm-hmm. the, I was under the impression that that everybody was a bit surprised that it was at the Belfort Training Center this year inside Little Caesars Arena, but how these players just really took to that environment and atmosphere. Not that they weren't focused or anything in Grand Rapids last year or in previous development camps at different venues, but this couldn't have worked out better, I thought, just by the players' reaction where this was the NHL and they knew it was the NHL and they knew their goal was right there in that building. Yeah, well, you walk into that building, and it's as a as a prospect, you come in there, and you want you you get a taste of it, and so as a as a player, you go in and you want more than just a taste of it. So you walk out of there knowing that if you do your work, if you really embrace what we're teaching, if you really go after this, that you may be able to come back here as a full time player and be able to come here and go into that building on a daily basis as a Detroit Red Wing, and I think that is a phenomenal tool to use and in, in the past it, you know in, in my experience with the Wings organization it's been up in Traverse City which is great and the people up there are tremendous and it's a great facility up at Center Ice and you've got two rings to work with here it's a little bit different because we just had one ring to work with but 
at the end of the day, it was, uh, I think to have the kids experience the, you know, the quote-unquote NHL experience was tremendous for, for their growth and their, and you, you want to have that awe factor. You want to have that kind of impression where these kids want to, it inspires them to, to want to come back and make that team at the end of the day. Right. Well, yeah, I, I, I was pretty amazed by it. I remember talking to uh, Michael Rasmussen, and I said, you know, you've actually scored goals at Little Caesars Arena last preseason. Did you yeah. feel you were kind of a, a veteran trying to give these guys, uh, you know, what, what it was like? And he started to laugh, believe it or not, and he said, yeah, you know, I did feel like a veteran, and I think that's one thing at development camp. You can tell who the wide-eyed rookies are for the most part, and the guys that have been there this was their second time around or third time around. And, and I think, and I would imagine as a coach, you must appreciate this too, is that how, even though they're all in competition with one another, they're more than willing to help each other out. Well, I think that speaks volumes to the character that, uh, that Detroit does in their homework when they draft these kids. So when you get a guy, you know, a young guy like Rat, you mentioned Rasterson, that you know, he's been to development camps, you know, last year and this year and, you know, for him to kind of take a leadership role, it kind of speaks to his character as a player. You know, Giovanni Smith, same thing. He's been to development camps before, and these guys are, you know, initially maybe last year or two years ago, I guess enamored or you know the wow factor. But now they're coming in, they're a little bit more comfortable with what's going on. They're not too surprised, so to speak, with what's being thrown at them, and they have that recognition now of, well, I was in their shoes two years ago. I had that same wow factor. And, now, they were able then to put their arm around another prospect's shoulder and say, hey, you know, hey, this is, you know, they kind of pulled them along a little bit. So from a, from a coach's perspective, from a manage, management's perspective, it's you kind of see that growth within those other players. You see the growth within the, within the group, which is, uh, again, another thing that we kind of look at and measure. And we see these kids that, you know, they're, they're leaders in their, own, in their own way, shape, and form. And you know, to see a guy like Rasmus, and he, again, he, stepped in the camp, he played well and at the same time too, you look at the other intangibles, he kind of helped the other guys get, I don't want to say comfortable because you're never comfortable, if you're too comfortable too complacent, that's not a good thing but nature of these kids knew where they were going and what they were doing kind of helped pull the rope a little bit and kind of helped lead the charge. Right, Bob, I, I want to ask you about a few players and more of the high-end prospects, and then I'm going to ask you maybe some other players there that, that kind of caught your eye. And, and then certainly I want to ask you about some of the Griffins who are, are legitimate prospects to make the Red Wings as well, and, and then talk about, uh, about the Griffins as, uh, uh, as we continue this, Ben. Uh, uh, first of all, I, I know we already mentioned him, but uh, I, I am under Michael Rasmussen just seems to his hand eye coordination. I know I talk about it all the time for a man his size, and I think he's bigger than 6'6. Six, six. I told him that, and he started to laugh. But, uh, you know, I, I think the kid's still growing, but he, I certainly believe he has more than a legitimate shot to make the Red Wings this year. Your impressions of Michael now that you've seen him for two seasons or two development camps, I guess I should say. Yeah, well, your first impression you see a big kid that you immediately think, well, he's growing into his body. And you mentioned right off the bat is his hand-eye coordination. And, and for a big guy, he really doesn't have that kind of whoopy-dopey, baby Huey, real kind of he's, he's learning his body. He's kind of clumsy. He's klutzy. He has got tremendous hand-eye coordination. He's got tremendous footwork. He's got really good speed, really good hands. And, uh, again, he, he works at it. So credit to him for, for uh, you know, being proactive and working at, at the player that he is. But 
he uh, is a big body, and again, the old adage, you can't teach size, but you can teach skating, you can teach hands, you can teach hand-eye coordination, you can teach work ethic a little bit, but he seems to have that inherently. So you know, to see him on the ice and kind of, you know, the biggest thing for me with Rass is he really knows what he's doing. Like, he's, he's a pro. He practices like a pro. He's the first guy in line for every drill. He knows what he's doing. He doesn't mess anything up. He does mess something up. He puts on the brakes. He stops, goes back, resets, does it again the right way. So he's uh, he's got really good habits, and you can see that uh, those habits are going to transfer into a good opportunity for him in Detroit, and I have no doubt that if he's given the right opportunity, and again, that's sometimes dictated with the, with the salary cap, obviously, and, and and uh, some other business uh, decisions, so to speak. But he's going to be given every opportunity to uh, to move forward as a Red Wing. But he uh, he does a really good job of, of approaching the game in a, in a professional manner. Uh, you know, another young man who I thought had a real uh, uh, great uh, development camp has been impressive the last couple of years. Is a physical specimen, to say the least. Uh, Giovanni Smith, I know we've talked a little bit about him, but that line that the Howe team or the Red team had, at the at the uh, scrimmage uh, last Saturday, uh, Smith, Rasmussen, and then Zadina, and we'll get to him too shortly. But uh, Giovanni Smith, he's going to be playing for you, I, I would imagine, in Grand Rapids. Uh, from what I've heard, the timeline is is that dominate the AHL, and then you're in Detroit very very soon. Yeah, well, Giovanni, you look at him; he's he's a like you said, he's a man right now. He's he's a very well-developed guy. He's a very strong guy, and he really embraces the off-ice uh, facets of the game. And when he's at his best, he's playing physical, he's playing hard, he's creating time and space for his line, line mates. And uh, I, I think you saw in the last scrimmage how well he played by finishing checks, moving the puck quickly, finding the open guys and moving the puck. Uh, for him, it's going to be just learning the pro game a little bit more, and sometimes that, you know, that might take one year, two years, who knows, but if he plays to his strengths and he plays the game uh, the way that he knows he can be effective, and sometimes less is more with him, is uh, I think it's going to be beneficial for, for his development. You know, he's going to get an opportunity with Detroit. He's going to get a heck of an opportunity with Grand Rapids. And if he really uh, goes about his business in, in regard to the role that he plays, then and he's going to be given an opportunity to, to play for Detroit someday. When uh, I look at uh, Gustav Lindstrom, who was taken in the second round last year in the 2017 draft, 38th overall, I know he was a little banged up and didn't participate in everything. Uh, do you have an impression on him? Because he seems to me to be a real quick study, and that uh, you know, and I joke with him about being a Swede that he has a, a little bit of an edge to him. But uh, here's a fellow that the Red Wings really are counting on, and he seems to be developing nicely. Although, uh, and I know he's playing this year in Sweden for the same club that uh, Rasmus Dahlin played for. So obviously, he's got to be a talent. Yeah, no, he definitely has tremendous uh, skill set. And you, you know, you notice that first off the bat, and he had a little bit of a back issue with uh, during camp here, so he wasn't able to, to play the last, uh, I think, day and a half, or he didn't participate in the last scrimmage. But again, he practices like a pro. He's got really good practice habits. He uh, he's been around men. He's he's played uh, for you know a very dynamic. Uh, team over in uh, in Sweden, but again, you talk, he does have a little bit of an edge, so 
you typically don't see that with Swedes. You see that more with Finns. That's more of an inherent quality of a, of a Finnish player. But he's he's got a good blend of, of, of a high-end skill set, good hands, good hockey sense, and uh, very good mobility. So you combine that with a little bit of grit to his game, and you know, he's going to be someone that we're looking forward to uh, in the next couple of years to you know, develop and, and bring into the trade. And you know, he's got a very bright future ahead of him, no question. <laughs> Now, I don't know, and obviously this isn't, you could be part of this decision, certainly, but I know that there are going to be a lot. Do you see him coming from Sweden and cutting his teeth in the AHL first? Well, again, that's, you know, some, that's somewhat out of my hands. Right. Obviously, it'll depend on the numbers that we have in Grand Rapids, whether he's prepared to, to play a full American League season, if it's come over at the end of his season over in Sweden. Uh, again, he, he's a talent that can definitely play, and there, there is an acclimation uh, period for some of these Europeans to come over and play on a smaller sheet. So you know, he's, he's got a little bit more time and space over in Europe to, to make decisions, to make plays, and now we have to see if he can make that transition from the European game to the smaller North American game. Can he make the same quick decisions? Can he make the same reads as a player, uh, especially as a defenseman? Uh, and if he can do that, then you know, he's going to, you know, he'll develop a lot quicker. He'll be a lot more prepared quicker. When I, I, I know for time constraints, I, I, I'm jumping around a little bit here. Uh, I, I want to talk about a, a couple of uh, the, the first-round prospects. Uh, there's so many guys to really get to. Uh, but uh, Philip Zadina, I mean, I, I think the Red Wings are still pinching themselves that he dropped a six for them. But uh, he is impressive. In the, you know, he scored the last couple of goals. One, one was in a shootout and the other one was in overtime. Uh, yep. same, same spot. I mean, he he has an NHL shot right now. I I, I would assume, and he you know future is very bright for him. Yeah, oh for sure. And for the record, and you can talk to. I was up watching a scrimmage once the overtime, and that last scrimmage came up it was three on three. I said this goal is going to be scored one way or the other within the first twenty seconds, <laughs> and it was. But uh, no, the the one thing you notice about Zadina is. Just his ability to, to get the puck off his stick quickly, and he does have a quick release, uh, and that his shot will continue to, to develop as he as he transitions from the European game to the North American game because your your time and space is limited a little bit quicker, and he he does a tremendous job already putting himself in positions to get that shot off quickly, and uh, he's had a lot of success playing in the queue last year and he's done a great job of uh of scoring goals now does that transfer to the nhl level right away it could you know so we're we're excited as an organization to see where that kind of parlays to and you know, there you know we're discussing whether or not he you know right now he from my understanding he's eligible to come to the american league but it doesn't make more sense to send him back to the queue does it make more sense of you know, I haven't played in the American League, or does it make more sense to keep on the NHL team? So I think long-term development, that's something that, you know, that's way over my head where they want to make the best decision for the player. But in the brief time that I saw him, you know, I saw the highlights when he was drafted and this then the fact that he, you know, you want to say, quote-unquote, slipped the six. The Red Wings were, you know, open arms were <laughs> ecstatic that they got him. And uh, you can see a lot of uh, why they were so ecstatic to get him just by watching him in, in a week of practice. He's a phenomenal player. He, uh, he does have a great finishing ability, and just a matter of 
how that translates in his next step in his development. Right, certainly, uh, yeah, yeah, quality kid as well. Uh, had a, a, he was on the podcast, and uh, uh, certainly, I, I know the Red Wings are, are very, very pleased with him. Um, another guy that looked really good, real smooth skater, long strides, makes great passes, Joe Valeno, who was supposed to go in the middle of the first round and fell to the Red Wings at 30. Yeah, Joe, the first thing North Raider, right off the bat, this is hockey sense of his skating ability. He can skate like the wind. He's always moving his feet. He makes good decisions with the puck. And, uh, you know, the, again, the Red Wings were pleasantly surprised that they were able to grab him in the, at the end of the first round there. And he's uh, definitely a player that uh, I think has a great potential in front of him. He's, uh, he's got great quality, great character. Uh, he, he's just a hockey player. He wants to, wants to learn. He wants to embrace what I noticed about him this week is he, he was like a sponge. He was taking it all in, and he really appreciated all the information, and he really digested it. You could see how how hungry he was to kind of take what we were teaching him and apply it to, to down the ice and off the ice, and he's going to have a great career in front of him. I have no doubt about that. When uh, I, I, I want one more prospect, and then I'll ask you if there's somebody else that we're missing, and I know there is, that, that stood out to you. But uh, uh, second-round pick, 33rd overall. The Red Wings have said that if Valena wasn't available at 30, they would have taken him at 30, and, and they were able to take him at 33. That's uh, uh, Jonathan Berggren. Yeah, you know, he had a tremendous uh, development camp. And the, not the biggest body, not the most fluent escapes, but he has an innate ability to find open players. I think you saw in the scrimmage area, there were probably three three plays in in the first period alone where he just pulled up, had time, found time and space, and he found an open player going to the net. He has a tremendous vision on the ice, and he does a great job of distributing the puck. Now, uh, does that mean you know, he's going to be NHL ready next year? Probably not, but you know, he's another player that you look at him, and there's a lot of potential there. He's got a lot of good qualities, a lot of, uh, you know, he's, he's got a hockey sense about him. And again, he's another player that, uh, that really took to learning, and it's tough for a player, you know, to come into a, a completely different country with the, with the language, with the excitement around it, with the hype around himself, and to kind of pump the brakes a little bit, take a step back, and really embrace the opportunity that he got this week, and really opportunity that the Red Wings have afforded him by drafting him and bring him into the organization. But he's, again, he's a, you, you maybe don't notice him all the time in practice, but then in a game situation, you can make that pass. So it's like, oh, that was Bergman. Oh, who made that pass? Oh, that was Bergman. It kind of became kind of a, a common thread in that scrimmage. Like, who made that play? It's like, oh, Bergman again. <laughs> so he's got a, uh, uh, he, he did a really good job of coming in and impressing us just with his hockey sense and his vision, for sure. Um, any other players at development camp? And I, and I hate to give anybody short shift because there were a lot of guys that had good camps that uh, somebody that we haven't addressed that you would like to just mention, maybe someone that the Red Wing fans should keep an eye on. Uh, no, you know, watching the camp, for me in my first, uh, as a, you know, in, in the head coaching position for Grand Rapids, I was a little bit more, I won't say concerned, but a little bit more focused on the players that we could potentially get in Grand Rapids. So, you know, I looked at Dennis Cholowski. I was looking at him, Crawford, uh, you know, some of those players that we may see in Grand Rapids. And, you know, Dennis Cholowski had a very good development camp, and you can see uh, just how mature he's gotten over the last few years and how he approaches a game 
Um, other players. Um, well, I know that Trevor Yates and Trevor Hamilton and also yep. Marcus Crawford are three guys that were signed by the Griffins. Yep, so, I mean, you look at Yates, we saw him at the end of the year. He left Cornell, game played a couple games for us, and again, tough evaluation when, when Trevor came to us because he hadn't skated for a few weeks, and you know, he's got his college graduation going on at an Ivy League school, so he's got a lot of demands on him with the academic side, but he came in and played well for us. So I was looking at him in more of a true evaluation. Again, a good kid, solid learner, uh, you know, he's a little bit older than these kids, so it wasn't a true measuring stick because he, he should be bigger, stronger, and more mature than these guys. But he, he did a good job of, uh, I guess, establishing more of a leadership role and uh, as to who he was and what he's going to do. Um, can't think who else. Uh, Crawford, again, came to us at the end of the year. Didn't get any games with us, but you, know, you could see just his progression in just really three months that we didn't see him. He came back, he was in good shape. It looks like he's started to work out, you know, very seriously, very hard. He looked like he was in great shape. He looked a lot better than he did uh, when I saw him last. So uh, the other kid, another kid to, you know, that I was kind of looking at was uh, Pope, who, again, played in Nebraska on college, had 20 goals, a great shot. Now, again, I'm looking at it through an AHL set of glasses here, and can he score for us in Grand Rapids? So, so he was a, you know, he did a good job of establishing himself, and again, a kid that first in line for every drill, practices like a pro. He's got good habits, and so you know, and getting to know these kids, you know, especially the kids are going to be in Grand Rapids. It was, uh, it was a pleasure to get to know these kids, and you know, when you take a step back, at the end of the day, we did a really good job of, of drafting good quality people, which is what you want. You can, you can teach as much as you want, but if you don't have quality people to really embrace. The, the challenges and the teaching, then, you know, you don't really have much. But I was very impressed with, uh, with just the quality of character and the quality of people that uh, that we had at camp this week, well, this past week. Uh, you, you know, certainly David Pope, a uh, guy the Red Wings uh, are looking at because, as you said, he's a goal scorer and – and, and, mm-hmm. and can shoot. Uh, certainly, I, I want to apologize to some of the fellas that were at development camp because a lot of you were impressive and I, I know uh, left an impression, but um, uh, for time's sake, I, I want to move on and, and talk about certain guys that are on the Grand Rapids Griffins that played for them that are that are Red Wing prospects. I know you mentioned Dennis Chalowski. Uh, certainly, mm-hmm. he's going to be given every opportunity to make the Red Wings, but... Uh, but 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 I would imagine, as you said, it seems that maybe the plan right now for him is to to start off in the AHL. Unless he makes the team, he's going to have the chance. I don't want to throw panic in here and, and let him, uh, you know, get a few games under his belt at the AHL level. Yeah. Well, again, yeah, we don't want to discount the fact that he, he will have a legitimate chance of making the team. But uh, if we were to see him in Grand Rapids again, he's got to. Play to his strengths, and I, I think one of the things that Dennis, when he's effective as a player, he's moving the puck quickly, he's making great decisions with the puck, and you can see just in his physical growth over the last probably year to you know six months to a year that he's more mature, he's physically stronger. Now he can skate; there's no question about that. But now defensively, can he close on guys quickly? Can he kill plays quickly? Now if he can do that then the offense will take care of itself. He's got to be reliable defensively. And you know, that's our job, if he were to be in Grand Rapids, to put him, put him in those situations to, to have success. But uh, you know, he looks like uh, he's 
He's very serious. He looks like he's going to make a, a, a good run at, at making the wins. But if he doesn't, I can tell you that Dennis, knowing him as a person, he's going to put every ounce of energy he has to, to play his way out of Grand Rapids and make the big club eventually through, you know, through a trade or through a call or any other avenue. He's that kind of driven kid. Uh, a guy that's everyone's favorite. Uh, he led the Red Wings in plus-minus last year with a plus-five. Uh, Joe Hicketts. Oh, JoJo. <laughs> JoJo is, uh, he's, I guess the biggest way to describe Joe Hicketts is he's infectious. He's got a heart of gold. For, for better or for worse, he wears his heart on his sleeve. He competes like a madman. He's a guy that you just naturally want to root for. You know, he's a smaller guy. He's a smaller in stature, but... Uh, Again, just a heart and soul guy that really competes every day. And that's all you can ask as a coach is go out, compete, leave it all on the ice. And he does that on a daily basis. So JoJo, uh, you know, every time that someone says you're too small, and I'm sure he's been told that at every level that he ever played at, he's proved everyone wrong. So he's uh, another guy that you you always want to root for and you never count him out. There's uh, another defenseman that was kind of caught in between a numbers game because Grand Rapids had so many D-men last year. Uh, spent some time in Toledo and then, and then uh, eventually made his way back up to Grand Rapids. That's Vili Sariarvi. Yeah, well, Vili is a tremendous skater. The, the biggest roadblock, I guess, so to speak, would be Vili's size and strength. But again, Vili, when he's at his best, he doesn't allow that size and strength to be exposed. So... If Vili gets to that one-on-one battle with a six-foot-four winger coming down on him, then that's a tough battle. That's an uphill road that he's climbing. But when he's at his best, he's escaping quickly. He doesn't allow that forechecker to close on him, to take away time and space. He's evading. He's moving the puck quickly. He's getting up in the play. Uh, again, he's he's going to be given a little bit more realistic, I'd say, chance to play a little bit, uh, a little bit more minutes here. And, uh, again, once you get those more minutes, once you feel a little bit more comfortable, I don't think he was getting, you know, it's just a victim of numbers and the defense that we had uh, the last couple of years here. He's going to be given a little bit more chance to get a little bit, I guess, a little bit more comfortable and confident with, okay, if you make a mistake, you're not coming out of the lineup. If you make a mistake, you're not sat. You know, he's going to be given a little bit more rope to, to kind of play with here. And again, he's just got to make sure that he's keeping it simple and make sure he's skating and moving his feet every day, every night. I'm not sure how much you've seen him, but I know the Red Wings are high on him. I thought that he spent some time in Grand Rapids. I probably should have looked this up, but uh, Libor Sulak. Well, Libor came to us at the end of last year. He played a couple games in, uh, when we were down in San Antonio and Texas. And again, a tough, it's a small sample size, but you can see that the, he's got a tremendous shot. He's got a really good shot. He had a great showing at the World Championships. Uh, last spring, so uh, Red Wings are very excited about him and what he brings to the table. Uh, very good mobility, and again, there will be, I'm sure, an acclimation period from the big Olympic sheet to a smaller sheet. He's got to make quicker decisions, but uh, he's got a good size to him, good presence, and uh, kind of an, an enigma right now with as to who he is. So I think that uh, you know he's excited to establish himself as to who he is as a player and kind of tell the Red Wings this is who I am, this is the type of player I am, and then the Red Wings will, they've got somewhat of an idea, but now things may change a little bit with with the smaller sheet, with uh, playing in North America. Can he play quick? Can he play 
can he close quickly? Can he play physical? Can he still get that shot off? Can he produce offensively? You know, those are things that I think that he's going to have to uh, kind of really establish himself the first couple weeks of the season to, to kind of really get his legs under him and kind of dictate as to who he is and where he wants to go. Ben, certainly there's another player that I need to ask you about. A defenseman had a great season in the NHL, a rookie campaign. Uh, that is uh, uh, Philip Ronick. Uh, again, a guy that's going to be given every chance to make the Red Wings. Yeah, well, Phil did a tremendous job this year in uh, taking the ice time that he was given and really running with it. He, uh, at the start of the year, was a little bit slow progression the first half of the year, and then the second half of the year, he... I think we did a really good job. I think Nelly did a really good job of putting him in a position to to, uh, to have success. Uh, running the first power play unit did a great job there with our power play. I think we finished fourth in the league, and a lot of that has to do with Phil quarterback. And, you know, he's loving a lot of the the, the puck with that on the power play. And uh, you know, again, he's a guy that really studies the game. If you're coming after a game, he's one of the first guys that comes into the uh, to practice. He's looking to look at film wants to learn. He really wants to climb that ladder, and sometimes you have to kind of talk to Phil about, hey, it's a process here. There's, It's not going to happen overnight. I think that he's kind of, he kind of understood that, but in the same breath, really took the heart learning and getting better on a daily basis through on-ice uh, drills and through off-ice analyzing video of himself. So, again, he uh, he's, a, he's a really smart player. He cares a lot about his career. And, again, he's going to be given a lot of opportunity to make the wings. And I know Detroit's excited with uh, the, the track that he's on and where we see him in the future. So now I'm looking forward to seeing Phil and Panther and to see what he's done over the summer to put himself in the best position possible. And knowing Phil, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a, a welcomed, uh, I won't say surprise, because it won't surprise me. He's going to come into Camp Ray to steal a job and ready to take a job. Um, let's move to a, a few forwards, and then I promise, I know it's the fourth, I'm going to let you go here, Ben, but we'll get a, a, an overview of what the Griffins did this week before we end as well. But Evgeny Shvechnikov, I, 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 you know, he's such a young man, He's not, but he had a sophomore slump last year. Uh, when, when the Griffins were eliminated in five games during the playoffs, he kind of called himself out after that game was over. Uh, I'm not going to say it's a make-or-break year for him, but uh, Evgeny Shvechnikov seems uh, to have all the, the talent in the world. Uh, I, I would imagine the progression is is that he has to start putting it together more consistently. Well, I think consistency is a, is a huge thing with any player, but I, like you said, I wouldn't say it's a make-or-break year, but I think it's a very pivotal year for, for Svech. And, you know, he's not the first player to go through a quote-unquote sophomore slump. He had a very, very good rookie year. And for whatever reason, it just didn't didn't come together last year. And you know, he's not the first player that's going to go through that. He's not the last player that's going to go through that. There's a lot of stuff that you know people don't know away from the rink uh, that goes on. His first year, his brother was in Muskegon playing in the USHL. His mom and was in town a lot, helping him out. And then all of a sudden, she was gone. His brother was in the OHL. So maybe that had something to do with it. I don't know. But what, what I do know is that Stetch works way too hard and cares way too much for to let that to, to let that slide continue. He's a tremendous uh, character player. He works extremely hard, and if there's anyone who can dig himself out of that that you know quote unquote hole that he he was in, it, it's going to be him. And he, I saw him at the draft. He looks great. 
he looks like he's been working hard and he's excited to get back to work and he's uh, he's excited for the opportunity this year. Uh, another player that saw a little bit of time in Detroit, uh, Dominic Turgeon. Yeah, Turge, uh, again, uh, kind of got hurt at the end of the year, but Turge was a, uh, a really good third-line guy to fourth-line guy to start his pro career and then kind of develop and evolve a little bit more offensively his second year. And then moving forward, uh, and again, I, I can't leave out the penalty killing uh, component. He did a great job of evolving into a solid penalty killer with him and Colin Campbell uh, in our first PK unit. And then uh, his offensive kind of prowess, so to speak, you know, he contributed offensively. So he did a really good job of kind of maintaining his defensive reliability, but at the same time adding an element of offensive capability and offensive threat last year. And then coming back from his injury is going to be huge coming into camp here. And from, from what I understand, he'll be ready to, to go for camp here. And I'm looking forward to, to seeing where Don is. He's a... Comes from a, you know, obviously he's an old man, played for a long time. He's got great pedigree. He's been around rinks his entire life. And uh, he's a hockey player. So he's uh, he's another guy to keep your eye on. He's kind of, uh, he's kind of goes about his business and he flies under the radar, but he does a great job playing the role that he plays. Ben, real quickly, I don't want to give the Griffin short shift here. So uh, transition year, you hired a couple of assistants. You added a few signees this week. Uh, I would imagine uh, looking at this upcoming year for uh, uh, for Grand Rapids, kind of a transition year, but I would imagine it's got to be pretty exhilarating for you because it, it is going to be a little different, yet the team looks like it's, uh, it's going to be pretty competitive. Well, you know, Detroit has always done a great job of finding a a fantastic blend of not just good quality vets, but good quality people. So I think the veterans that we're bringing in, the the older players that we're bringing in, have an understanding that it's a very important time for development with regard to the the big picture with Detroit. So uh, I think that at the end of the day, the the biggest development tool is winning. So if these players can learn how to win, and be successful. I think that that quality, that trait, that ability to to be part of part of a successful team is going to be beneficial for them in the long run. So, with the additions that we've made, with Wade Megan, Chris Terry, uh, Carter Camper, uh, Jake Chelios, Harry Sateri, I mean, those guys have got a lot of good experience uh, underneath them. They've done a tremendous job playing. I think a lot of those guys have done a great job either themselves of climbing the ladder and kind of know how to kind of convey that and teach it to the younger kids as a player to player. And again, some of those guys that aren't great job of being parts of organizations that have had success. So you know, for them to kind of pass that experience on to some of our young guys and kind of rub elbows with that. So some of our young guys can, can take that and use that, that experience from them is going to be huge for us in Grand Rapids. Well, I'll tell you what, Ben, I'm looking forward to having you on again. We'll, we'll focus in on the Griffins and some of the moves uh, um, that, the, that the club has made. I appreciate you taking time out, especially on the 4th of July, to, to join us and offering us um, some of the insights of what it means to be a coach and into some of the prospects uh, that uh, uh, the Red Wings just drafted and uh, fellows that are on the, uh, the Grand Rapids roster. Thank you very much, Ben. Enjoy your day. Thank you. Well, thanks, Eddie. Appreciate it again. Exciting times in Detroit, exciting times in Grand Rapids. Enjoy the fourth and look forward to talking in the future.